You spoke so beautifully and from your heart to someone who didn't come to listen. Words aren't usually my strong suit. <laughs> would you like to grab a bite? Hell yes, he would. I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Who am I? Oh, such a good question. A Sense8 fan? Yes. Boom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who am I? That is... The title. The title of what was originally released as the first episode yes, in season yes. two. But if, I feel like you can't really watch it without watching the Christmas special because the Christmas special already feels different from season one. It kind of feels like the, the opener to season two. It would be best to refer to them by their current Netflix Yeah, because ne Netflix did change them. They were originally like Christmas special and then season two, episode one. But as it stands now in 2018, they've kind of rearranged it. So the Christmas special reads as season two episode one and this one who am i reads as season two episode two and as we're watching it i think we did feel it, it feels felt like the second like, episode yeah second episode i think there are a few elements that are more like a, a season opener yeah yeah but in general uh the way it opens mm. opens on will continuing yes. to have his little drugged, uh, out. Dr drugged out dreams, attempts to connect with whispers, mm -hmm. which is very much a continuation from what was already established in season two. Yes. Uh, in Christmas special. Yeah. And if you compare that to like the opening of the Christmas special with the feeling good and the swimming montage, that just feels much more like a welcome back to Sensei. Yes. This is just sort of like the ball is already rolling. Yeah. The only thing I think really does feel like a premiere moment mm. is the big titular who am I? Speech. Speech. Yeah. Which I feels think. like a um, reintroduction to the themes and the characters. They, you know, it's the moment where they all get to have an appearance and reiterate what they've. I don't remember all of it, but feared, loved, lost, etc. Yeah, it's almost. It almost plays like a really more articulate and well-crafted like previous season. Yeah, it's like a recap. It has a bunch of scenes. It would help to remember probably if you hadn't as we have just watched the previous season. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh yeah, the last thing that Wolfgang did was shoot his uncle and Copius was doing this and Leto, etc., etc. Mhm. But um that's a nice moment. It makes it feel like it's the start of something, the start of real normal episodes and progression again I yes. guess but the Christmas special is definitely like it's a the special. status the yeah. status quo establisher yes. here's where Will is now uh, he's already there when we begin the premiere yeah. uh, the episode 2 I know. mean that even works in Wolfgang's favor too because in the Christmas special they're establishing like definitely, hey yeah. there are four kingdoms in Berlin and they're all going to be trying to court you and yeah. one of them tried to kill you and, uh, and now, so when it opens on this one, it's like, now we're meeting another one out of the four kingdoms. Yeah, and at first it feels much more like a premiere. Yeah. 
because it's like Wolfgang's with a different guy now. Yes. Like, oh, okay. And, and then he's with him for a few episodes. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's what he's doing. I guess that other thing was more of a weird special thing. Yeah. But then that guy from the special does come Turtle back. Turtle Man comes yeah. back. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now it feels more like this is all part of season two. But mm-hmm. at first it's a bit like, we're done with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're doing something else now. Yeah. But anyway, um, this is, you know, like we keep saying with each passing episode, um, we are going to try and break it up character mm-hmm. by character. But, I mean, they are excitedly interacting a lot more with each other throughout, so we will try our yeah. best. But uh, we'll do what we normally do, just try and get through as much of the solo storyline of each sensate before they converge and then kind of discuss that well after the dramatic finale and the very long christmas special yes this is much more of a normal episode Mm -hmm. where uh the focus is more heavily on some than others yeah absolutely yeah i mean uh who do you who do you want to start with i want to start with copyist because i feel like a large part of the first half or so of the episode is about him yeah so um there's a bunch of intercutting with him and leto um because they're both getting interviewed by a reporter uh for him he's been you know driving the van dam uh they make a stop and there's a reporter waiting there for them there's a really funny moment with jella where he's like are you looking for me she's like i'm looking for someone called van dam he's are like you, you sure? sure it's not me <laughs> um and this is where we meet um Zikaya, which is uh, a new character in season two. New characters. Yes. It's great because the world already feels so established, so whenever you get, like, a new cast member, you're kind of like, what? Because it's already a big, sprawling cast, but it doesn't feel misplaced or anything. It's exciting mm-hmm. to get new people. Well, what's um, interesting is that as soon as Copius has become a little more famous, yeah, suddenly there's these people in his life that are clearly from, like, a different part of his world. Yes. Uh, a more... Uh, well, less poor, more like, uh, I don't know what the word is. I'm thinking of later episodes. He goes to, like, her apartment and things. Right. You know? It's like the very close by, more... Um, Privileged. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of the word. Yeah. Urban, more um, sophisticated city building. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. Uh, metropolitan uh, area. But you didn't see any of that in season one just right. because Coffeeus was heavily involved in like dealing with the much more local gang thing and it's yeah. like this world, world is right literally expanding now that he's becoming yeah more well known this is interesting and it's also probably nice just because it eliminates any worry about that stereotype idea that like oh Coffeeus is over here like in Kenya so everything's you know shacks and right. stuff it's like that's just where Coffeeus lives this mm-hmm. is actually quite a sophisticated place yeah. uh, depending on where you go yeah yeah i mean you even see that to some extent with um silas yeah Baca, with, his, place, with yeah. his like golf country club looking area when he first meets um coffeeus outside of his home in mm-hmm. season one but i think it's more of like it's more apparent I, yeah i think it's more with season one in the back of my head whenever i would see like a new location for coffeeus where it's like a a more like setting with people not from his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, but it's Silas Kabaka, so it feels corrupt. Yeah. But with um, Zakaya, it's more like, um, no, there are, there are other parts of the city and stuff. I mean, she is a reporter. She has some boss earrings that 
are very long and pretty, and I like them. Um, but she participates in the Who Am I speech, mm-hmm. so we're going to put a pin in that. But long story short, Kafius's answer and the subsequent Sensei answers um, impress her. I think it's fair to say for just Kafius's story. Yeah. She's uh, confrontational. Yes. Probably because she's heard that this guy is like a violent beat up a bunch of people and yeah. you know, took over or something. Yeah, I mean, and he talks about like how he loves Van Damme and that mm-hmm. she's like, oh, it's about white courage and white power and he's just like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, no one can take away Coffee's pure <laughs> love yes. of Van Damme. Well, once they, once they have this realization for her that he is deeper than she thought, mm-hmm. they have a more extended conversation when she comes to see him yeah, the she, next day. Yeah. So uh, she meets up with him. Jellyby is just like still the world's best wingman. Where she's like, "Do you wanna? Do you wanna get some food with me?" And Jell's just like, "Hell yes, he would." So um, she gets to get food with Coffeeus, mm-hmm. and they're talking about, you know, she's a reporter. She's um, was able to go to university. She's very well educated. She's traveled the world. Yeah. And she's pretty much saying how like, you know she's not as optimistic or idealistic as she once was when she was going to school mm-hmm. um, and how like some of the things that feel like a big detail or feel like they matter just feel like a detail now because as Coffee's points out he's like well it's amazing you're like a female reporter and that's not something that you could really do um, all these years ago and that's something that you know your mother and your grandmother like women from past generations those are their dreams and you're you're living those dreams now and that's mm-hmm. gotta you know count for something and uh so she you know they they talk about it and she says like she's seen too much of the world and there's a lot of terrible things out there and then he talks about like courage and being like yeah that's why it's so important you know to even though if you do see the terrible things you still can get up every day and see like mm-hmm. the beauty and other things so it's a very cute moment together it's also uh I know you wanted to talk about. Oh, I think it's very interesting and uh, different for Kavius mm. because uh, everything he says is fundamentally him, but it's in such a new context than previously. Yeah. Uh, you know, in season one, it's basically like Kavius's life is difficult. All this different stuff happens to him, mm-hmm. but he's positive anyway. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, pretty much the extent of it. This is much more someone actually confronting him and saying, like, why are you positive? And he has yeah. to actually explain himself. And he does. Yeah. You know, he has a reason for it. And it's kind of a interesting, cool idea that there's the worldly, uh, theoretically progressive, educated uh, character, and she's the one who, as a result of that, is a little like, more doesn't, jaded. she doesn't believe in it anymore. And yeah. Then, and Kavius is like... I mean, you're thinking about this whole world and all its problems, and, like, in my own life, I've seen that things can get better if I manage to get them to be better. Yes. And that feels like a big accomplishment to me. Like, she's looking at the big picture so much that uh, she can't see as much why that matters to someone like him anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a interesting thing that he's pulling her back down a little bit to say, like these things are important yeah, yeah his his fundamental world world view of every little bit counts basically yeah and like the fact that she as he says is is female reporter and is interviewing him in the first place like that's really cool like don't you know don't lose sight of the fact that uh 
it's great that you are able to do this and that we are able to have these conversations and yeah. all this sort of thing. Yeah. Well, she she has a an interest a nice likable vibe because it feels like obviously she comes into this being the more cynical one. Yeah. But she doesn't I mean, seem really rude or negative or anything. She really sounds like um she has been inspired a little bit just by seeing someone not be completely that way just to suddenly shock herself out of it and think like well maybe everything isn't as bad as I thought you know the implication being that she she came to interview him in the first place sort of to say like let's t- you know let's talk about this guy like how uh, another power struggle or like another little change in the situation in this local place mm-hmm. and his uh, the importance he places on those small things are what lead her and others to realize he could expand that, you know, to be a figure of inspiration for even more people, which will obviously be his big story this, for this season. season. Not yeah. obviously. Obviously, you've already seen the season. Yes, which you should. <laughs> which we have. Like, like we said, don't listen to this podcast yes. unless you've already seen everything. <laughs> Spoilers galore. Yeah, I think she, it's kind of succinctly summed up when she says like um when she meets him again for the second time and mm-hmm. she says like i feel like i owe you an apology it's like no what for it was totally fine and she's like no i mean i think it was really impressive you spoke from the heart and you convinced somebody to listen who didn't come mm-hmm. to listen that's um, just what makes her endearing yes immediately when just compared to like the reporter talking to Lido or something yes you know where you have these people asking confrontational questions and it seems like they're both being really difficult and mm-hmm one case kind of horrible yes and then she who you've never seen before you know she immediately in like the next scene is back saying like you know what i'm sorry yeah it's like oh like she seems like a, a reasonable person mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I, I think that's pretty much it for him yeah. um and uh, aside from you know the ensemble stuff that they do i wonder if they front-loaded him on purpose yeah. uh to really be able to give a sense of where a story is going uh, since he didn't get much in the special, yeah, and, and I think now it's like this is this is copious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, like you said, uh, we are kind of speculating that they probably had to tweak some stuff in the mm-hmm. Christmas special because of the recasting. So, again, we're not sure if his role might have been a little bit bigger or not in the Christmas special. But since they did had to reshoot it, uh, yeah, you know, he doesn't get to do as much in the special. So I agree. I think for this one. Regardless of how the production went, I think it's good to kind of front load him because regardless of the the casting change, um, his storyline is pretty wrapped up by one. Uh, it's not like he, he's in mm-hmm. a situation like Wolfgang or Kala where things are kind of in limbo between one and two. Um, so it's like, hey, this is the start of a new storyline for him. Yeah. So we're going to introduce it um, as soon as possible. I mean, you know, he doesn't have any new characters in the special. You right. Know, like his story really starts here. Yes. And he is the centerpiece of this episode's big montage. Like yeah. he, he is who it revolves around. It really makes you feel like he is part of what's going on exactly yeah yeah Yeah, i never felt like i'm just to quickly touch on the recasting because i know we did talk about it extensively the last episode but this is his first kind of big showcase Mm -hmm. because he does get actually some really good material but um you know diving immediately from one to two i never felt kind of thrown out of it because of the recasting like he just fits 
Yeah, well, there's just this moment of, like, let's examine his first scene and how they talk about the recasting. Yeah. And you're thinking about it a little bit. But by the time you get to this but, one... Yeah, I don't think it's about just it like, anymore. I mean, there's no time to be thinking about this. You know, this is Kavya's, like, we're, we're doing it. We're yeah. going forward. Yep. So... That's pretty much his storyline for that one. Who else, uh, Who do you want to talk about next? I want to talk about... Well, maybe Alito, just because he's tied up so directly with Kafia's. Yeah. So, uh, when we, we... Leto is getting ready for the premiere, because his nun movie has finally yes, come yes. out. It's very exciting. The whole thing he was shooting last season. And Hernando is not excited. And Hernando's not excited, and... Lido and Danny are running around getting ready for the premiere. Yeah. I believe they've been staying at her apartment the whole time because there's mm-hmm. a lot of pink there. It looks like the same <laughs> place they were at for his birthday. Um, anywho, so they're they're running around getting ready and they're trying to convince Hernando and he's just like, I just don't think like that it might be the best time. And Lido's kind of like, but you've always wanted to go to premiere with me. Like, this is you know how we are essentially introduced to Hernando and season yeah. one is him kind of you know understanding why he can't go to a premiere with Lido but kind of wanting to uh, and now they're like well you know it's out there so we should go together and he does like the oh I feel <laughs> like it's a be careful what you wish for kind of situation and it is it's a little heartbreaking they show up to the premiere and they have it's pretty sparse yeah um, there well, they are have a few little they have fans. a few fans that give him a big heart balloon and it's Camden put it. Those are the only fans that you nearly, that really matter. Um, ignore everyone else. Ignore everyone else. Ignore the poster that has clearly put you in like the, the back, background. Yeah. Whereas if you look at other you know movies that he's done, the posters are clearly really there to highlight him. So th- these are uh, things. Uh, I think with the way it's played, you know, I think it's such a, a relief to him that he doesn't have to carry this secret anymore mm-hmm. on his shoulders and that's why you know in the Christmas special his mom is so proud of him she's like you could have denied it and I'm glad you didn't but I, I also feel like he's so relieved by that that he doesn't really fully understand what the fallout of that is going to be mm-hmm. you know like, well, he's, like he's already completed this movie Yeah, you know it's like uh, he's probably thinking about like what's going to be like to get new jobs new roles, but yeah. as far as this premiere he's just thinking like i've done this a lot of times i go to the premiere and i'm excited to bring Hernando. and now it's like it's empty um he has that talk with the reporter yeah mariana who is really aggressive probing yes and uh we'll put a pin in that one too because that is the who am i speech yes between him and coffeeus but um after that she says she doesn't recognize Hernando. yeah without his clothes yeah she's such a dick man it's pretty um, it's Bad. aggressive, but anyway, um, they go to the premiere, they're watching the movie, and it's not a packed premiere. Um, he's getting really excited because he's like, Hernando, this is the big moment. It is the graveyard moment, <laughs> but the, we'll be judged by the courage you of our hearts. You get the great bit where Hernando and um, Lido's co-star yes. are near each other, and they're both mouthing the words. Yeah, it's really it's a fun detail, but um, he kisses her. And people in the audience either laugh or they start to get up and leave. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of a very sad moment because you're like, nothing about him has fundamentally changed or it shouldn't have fundamentally changed. You just know more about his private life now. And yet that's enough to put people over the edge to be mm-hmm. like, nope, he can't do these roles anymore because we don't 
you know, we don't believe him as a leading man making out with a woman, which is stupid. But we all look a little uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think that's when they are slowly realizing, like, it's not that it wasn't a good idea to come out tonight, but, like, things have changed now. Yeah. And yeah. we're finally realizing that, and that's a, now we have to try and figure out how to move forward with mm-hmm. it and deal with it. So that's a, a nice setup for his arc for the rest of the season is kind of you know he had always put his career first and now he's not and he's much happier but as a result like he needs to figure out how his career is gonna stay alive Mm. so i think the little moment with his few fans Mm. is a nice indication of what he will sort of end up realizing uh through the season Mm. which is that he things are different now and and he has to uh, understand that there are all these people that don't like him like they used to. But there's uh, also a massive yeah, there's, community there's that really do now. A group of people that will appreciate him. Yeah. Uh, and and that could just be, you know, these fans that still like him, or it could be more explicitly like the <laughs> the whole gay community later. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a little thing for him there. Yeah. I like it. I think that's pretty much all he does. Yeah, that's what Lido does. We're back to normal episode length. I know. Uh, Less happens. Yes. And then, um, who else do we want to talk about? Um, let's do Kala. Very exciting. Yes. Uh, so Kala is... Tied up with Wolfgang once again, I should uh, yes. say. Surprise. Yes, surprise. <laughs> um, so while Wolfgang's out partying with Felix, there it's really funny because um, when you're first introduced to him... They're both kind of entered a new status. Mm-hmm. So, like, Wolfgang's off hanging out with Felix, and he's well, being courted clever. by all I these people. Think they're, like, they're both being shown or showing a new place. Yes. Uh, Wolfgang's being shown around this, like, bar. Here, go to this place. You're you in the VIP here. section. Yeah, and yeah then this Kala's is a whole new world. Your status has changed. Yeah. It's upgraded, essentially. And the and same. Call is showing her family her, her, her fancy house. place. Yeah. yeah. Which is just palatial they and gorgeous. They have the proper reaction. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love her dad where he's just like, what? <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, they're both kind of adjusting to their new upgraded status. And um, then there's the most <laughs> awkward, awful, awkward uh, Kala family dinner between her family and Rajan's family. And uh, during this dinner, um, Rajan's daddy Who's fine now. Yeah, who's totally fine. He's like, oh, brush with death, you know, really changes (laughs) a man's perspective. And so he essentially is announcing that he is going into politics. And Rajan is like, I thought we weren't going to, like, you weren't going to decide anything until you, you know, had a discussion with the family. And he's just like, oh, no, no, no. You know, I didn't get this successful by dilly-dallying. And then Rajan's like, well, mom, do you agree with this? And it's just, it's kind of back to square one with her where she's like, of course, I agree with everything your father says and supports. Your mother always supports me. Yeah, and everything I do, like just kind of steamrolling over the whole issue. And it's just like, it's awkward because you're like, oh, this is kind of the opposite effect you wanted to happen after this guy has almost been killed. You think maybe he should regroup and reconsider like, all right, there are people out there, there have been death threats, there's been, you know, an attempt on my life. How do I want to navigate both myself publicly and my family? I'd be like, I'll go into politics. I was mm-hmm. like, that just doesn't seem great. Um, but it's also like a, a another good example of like, you know, Rajan is different from his father. Yeah, well, it makes him look good as we 
think about this, it makes me realize part of why Rajan comes off worse in the Christmas special. Mm. It's because it's the first time he and Kala are like alone together and the Without conflict is just between them. Yeah. You know, in the season one it's always a lot of it is about uh like him and her dealing with other stuff like his dad. Yeah. And once his dad is back it's like, Oh yeah, like he's a lot better than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, I, I think it's funny because I, I, I'm pretty sure it'll happen maybe next episode or pretty soon. They do appear to have a lot of these family dinners. Yeah, I remember that. And like Rajan and Kala are like, oh my god, so great, love you guys so much, bye. Yeah, and that really makes them feel like a, a proper kind of like a couple, couple, yeah. Where it's just like, oh, we gotta get through this dinner <laughs> with the family. Um, and even that hasn't like, happened yet. <laughs> no, it hasn't happened yet, but I mean, even when he, uh, Rajan's dad does make the announcement, Kala's dad is just kind of like choking in and shock as well and that is kind of a, another you know a nice beat a nice setup to be like okay these are two um guys who obviously don't have the same views and values yeah. and that is something that'll come into fruition in a discussion later down the line but um it's kind of like a nice setup and it's a nice way to show that like this is Kala's life now and she mm-hmm. is adjusting to it and trying to navigate it with Rajan so is that all she does uh, she does that. She has her friend at work being like, you got to spill the gossip <laughs> about your honeymoon. I'm yeah, dying. But and then she gets distracted by the Yeah, plot. <laughs> she's essentially playing while Riley is doing the day-to-day duties that she can do with Will, taking care of him while he's constantly on drugs. Like, Kala has to get called in a couple times to, you know, monitor his vitals yeah. and, and check in on him. Make and sure the drugs are... Uh yeah. In a way that won't kill him. Yes. I assume. So she's she's constantly getting called in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's essentially what she's doing. So what's what's Wolfgang doing? Uh, Wolfgang is pretty much just hanging out with Felix. Yeah. They are going to. Um, they're at a, a new club. You get to meet um, the King of the North, <laughs> which that saying is just like forever just associated yeah. with Game of Thrones so it throws me when it's like in another TV show but they're meeting essentially one of the other like heads of mm. you know the kingdoms of Who Berlin I think was mentioned yeah his name's, uh, he Christmas was actually special. mentioned yeah. in the Christmas special but uh, he's Sebastian Fuchs mm-hmm. I might be saying his last name wrong so I'm just going to call him Sebastian I think it's Fuchs yeah there's an, there's an uh, Eastern European accent that <laughs> I cannot accomplish but uh, he is there and he is talking to Felix being like, hey, I really appreciate how loyal you are to Wolfgang and vice versa, Mm -hmm. and I want you guys to feel home, and I want you to, you know, I want to show my respect to you guys, and you know, I don't really get along with people, and then Felix has the gold line, and he's like, people suck. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, Felix, preach it. Um, But he asks Felix, like, oh, what do you think of this club here? And Felix is like, it's great. He's like, cool, it's yours. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is um, a great character introduction, both to, like, Wolfgang and Felix's new world that they've entered but it's also a good character introduction to Sebastian being like this is a guy who doesn't really appear to be dangerous. It's a good contrast to the special. He has a very different approach Yes, uh, of courting Wolfgang uh, Volka in the special? Yes. Uh, Mr. Turtle although he does um, you, you get the sense that presumably he is just as Bad. Uh, bad intentions underneath. Yeah. Uh, just because you assume these things. Uh, but it's really noticeable for one that uh, guy in the Christmas special seems to really dislike Felix and doesn't want to talk to him and ignores him. Yeah. And he goes, uh, Fuchs goes straight for Felix. Yeah. 
like Which to is... undermine Wolfgang, you know, from the underneath, basically. I think. Yeah, I think that would uh, as in terms of like trying to court Wolfgang, the smart strategy is to get in through Felix. Mm. But uh, yeah, he comes off as a guy who's just like, it's it's not like he's he's uh, threatening violence or anything towards them, but the fact that he's just like, cool, this club is yours now. It's just one of those things where um, you're just like, oh, this guy will just make these decisions and it doesn't warrant any argument. Yeah. Um, so Wolfgang is just like, okay and Felix is like I'm a little shocked so um, you know it's uh, putting them in a situation where they're gonna have to meet up with him later to go over the business uh, details but it's just like uh, yeah he's a he's a character that doesn't really Mm. take no for an answer and that's made apparent right off the bat as well as his uh, initial dislike of most people is something that'll come into play because he seems a little paranoid Mm -hmm. you know so then um, Wolfgang has another little scene where he has a flashback. Yes. Uh, because he's at the zoo and he has a flashback. Yep, he's watching Tiger Pace and the sun mom. pops in and he talks to her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically, yeah, you know, his mom says, if you were Tiger and escaped, what would you do? And Wolfgang is like, I would go be happy and free and all this lovely stuff. And, and chase rabbits. Yes, and his mom is like... She's like, oh, you're an optimist. Like, I think, you know, it would be more expected to, you know, just turn around and come back, mm-hmm. which is obvious indicator of a abuse, I think, sort yep. of mentality that mm-hmm. she has going on. It's also a nice, you know, uh, visual representation. There's literally a cage there. Yeah. And obviously his mom was not in a good situation, and I imagine that him... In particular, uh, along with Sun and, and Will, are all feeling a little trapped by their yeah. situation. Um, so, yeah. But I always love the line that she says when he tells her, like, oh, this is my idea of what would happen if the tiger mm-hmm. had the opportunity to escape. She says, oh, you're an optimist. And he says, like, what's that? She's like, something you usually grow out of. <laughs> you're like, oh, harsh. It's this... like, geez, he's only whatever age he yeah, is. Yeah, whatever age he is. But, uh, yeah, it is... Yeah, it's one of those things like this and then the Sarah Patrell storyline, I feel like, are two things that um, had to be streamlined or cut. Um, but they do have a lot of, which is unfortunate because there is only one season mm-hmm. of this. But I feel like we've talked about before, these are things that they were probably setting up Although, for a long-term yeah. story arc. I think you can pretty much get all you need to know about Sarah Patrell. Yeah. Um like, there are obviously, there could be more details, but I think it's pretty straightforward that, like, they experimented on this girl. Yep. That's it, you know, like, Yeah, I think it's more of, like, um, fundamentally, like, hey, this is a, a girl, she was a sensei, uh, she got captured by whispers. It's almost like a morality tale, like, don't let mm-hmm. this happen to you, but it, it's also, they do talk about, like, memory and kind of resonance and stuff, and so I think... She could have, I think they might have been able to explore her storyline a little bit more to further explain, yeah. like, how the Sensate community works um, in terms of, like, birthing a cluster yeah, and connecting. Yeah, I think that's, that's part of the expansion of yeah. understanding of them. Yeah. Uh, also, there's just some elements of, like, who 
and what was involved in the actual process of experimenting on her yeah. that is certainly fleshed out more in two, but it feels like it was intended to be delved into even further. In later afterwards. seasons, yeah. yeah. So it's like you get the the base of her story. It's like, yeah, we get the the moral of it. It comes across, but like the details are something that probably could have been applied to another, you know, a future storyline that never happened. So. Well, like you see a lot more of what Jonas and Angelica were literally doing yeah uh in season two but then in it doesn't until the finale that they sort of explicitly clarify some of their motivations yeah and so i think it would have been a lot more like uh the transition from season one to two where like you see all this sarah patrol imagery by the time you finish season two you basically know concretely what happened to her same yeah. thing with season two you see all this stuff with Jonas and Angelica and their previous cluster and mm-hmm. you have a good sense of the broad image of what happened but yeah. probably in, by like the third season you would be able to say you actually understand much more in explicitly yeah. yeah and so instead there's still sort of some gaps to be filled in on your own mm-hmm. at this point like they made sure to deal with the broad strokes of it but yes exactly but anyway we did just talk about that arc stuff at the end yeah uh, in the meantime uh, there's Sun who doesn't she's really do really anything. She's not really in it. The yeah. only scene that she really gets by herself is she's back with her her inmate family, her and they're outside painting talking and about food. Talking about food, yeah. and they're like, "Ladies, that should be the first place we go <laughs> when we with our first night out." So yeah. it's kind of a a sweet moment because obviously she's back with these people. She's no longer in uh, solitary, and but it is also nice because it's it's exciting to think like oh hey they you know they have plans they're mm-hmm. gonna stick together if they you know when they finally get out of there yeah. so and then um nomi and amanita yes. are doing plot research yes they are they're doing that's exactly what it is they're in many doing disguises plot research. <laughs> uh they get uh, they did mention in the christmas special they're re- they've been reading a bunch of books on you know human beings and homo sapiens and now we have a new phrase introduced in season two instead of being like your sensate another you know sh- way to say that is uh your homo sensorium mm-hmm. fun new phrase for you everybody um but in the christmas special uh, nomi does ask amanita like hey is your mom gonna hook us up with that anthropology professor she's like yeah totally they meet with an anthropology professor and they're talking about they're they're kind of going under the guise that Nomi is writing a thesis yeah. on uh, homo sensorians and so um, the anthropologist lady is just like oh yeah you know I'm a you know kind of digging up bones lady so the person that you really want to talk to is yeah. Professor Kolovi at very, uh, Chicago University she's very dismissive yeah but she's idea. also she's yeah. she's equally like dismissive of his work but also kind of with the caveat of like you know yeah. we we were also dismisses of Darwin so you know I, I would be a... more than happy to find like later down the line yeah. that he will be you know kind of revered for his scientific work but as of now like from what I'm seeing there's not enough evidence I get this vibe of sort of like I don't I don't believe in this and I don't you know think that it's gonna be true yeah. but I don't want to discourage anyone from you know being interested in investigating yeah and seeking it out because like that's what leads to finding out the truth anyway so go talk to this other guy yeah 
So uh, Nomi and Amanita go and they walk in on they Professor Chicago. Yeah, they yeah. go to Chicago and they're checking in on uh, his uh, lecture. And he is talking about, you know, the evolution of human species and language. And he's talking about the meaning of words and, and essentially says, like, well, you know, if we couldn't speak and we could hear each other's thoughts, like, what would you not be able to do anymore if people could always know what you're thinking? And his big thing is like, well, number one, you couldn't lie. And then he goes on to talk about how uh, we have evolved a certain way, and essentially we are the descendants of people who committed genocide mm-hmm. onto like the Neanderthals and all these other, you know, primate-esque species. Yeah that have come up and we're the ones that survived. There's a reason for that. It's because we killed off other people. So it's kind of like, you know, a fun little threat in the back of your head, which is something that Jonas had talked about previously in season one with evolution, where he's like, humans will kill people that are different than them. And you are essentially different from them. It's a pretty interesting uh, little digression, I think. Yeah. About um, how it isn't until more recently that people have thought really strongly about like, do we deserve to be in charge, basically? Yeah. Which, you know, you can connect to, I think, ideas from a few centuries back about, like, destiny and how it is a human's right to own the world, sort right. of, and, and control all the everything, the animals and the right. resources and whatnot, and tying this into the idea that, like, uh, we probably got all this stuff by taking it in the first place, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't because we It we wasn't a fluke it. that the other ones died out. Yeah, well, it's just uh, that classic idea of, like, people tell themselves that, like, if good things happen to them, it's because they deserve it. Right. And if bad things happen to other people, it's because they must have done something wrong. And it's yeah. like, it's not as passive as that, you know? Like, the we we took what we wanted, sort of. And that's the same thing that they're doing to the homo sensoriums today yep still i think it's interesting because i feel like it's kind of a trend throughout um the wachowski's work i mean it's most obvious in like the matrix and stuff where you have like a group of people or something their their status quo their reality as they know it has fundamentally changed because they realize hey i'm not what i thought i was i'm actually this Mm -hmm. and then they're still trying to function as a society where it if brought to light, it seems like a conspiracy theory. I feel like this, the fundamental message of all their <laughs> stuff is like, this is how things are, but it doesn't have to be, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they they go to his lecture, they're kind of fascinated by it, obviously, and then they meet up with him in very, like, the world's briefest office hours I've ever seen in my life. Um, and <laughs> they are uh, asking him... Um, you know like hey do you really believe this we read your book being human being or whatever mm-hmm. and he's just like well you know what i what i believe and what you know i know are the facts are like two different things i he's like i i like the idea that we have you know kind of gotten the best from a homo sensorium with like essentially the empathy part mm-hmm. of your brain and they're like oh interesting interesting and then they ask him they're like hey we're trying to find um have you, you know, been ever been in contact with one of your former students, mm-hmm. Dr. Matheson? He wrote a paper, and we had a couple questions about some of, the, you know, the results that he found. And he's like, Matheson, hmm, I don't know about twirly that. beard, twirly goatee. It is suspicious that they say like we have a picture, and like basically, almost before he even looks at the picture, he's like, Ah, oh, Matheson, I remember now. Yes, exactly. Like, clearly, as soon as 
he saw they had a picture. It's like he was like, I've decided I'm going to... And it's a picture of them together, like, in the 80s. He's like, oh, yeah, God, I was so young. I haven't seen him since the 80s, though. Like, really quite a lot. You know, he was bright and quiet. It's like, it sounds like you clearly remember this guy. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) they they come to the conclusion that, like, Professor's probably lying to him. Yeah. Um, We don't know if that's for his own protection or Mm -hmm. if he is still kind of, like, in league with Matheson, but it is something to, like, note that they are obviously not fooled by him yeah they're like yeah he clearly knows a little bit more than he's letting on and telling us but uh we're gonna still investigate so they do that and um, they go to uh sarah Patrell's house they do will asks them to go mm-hmm. and that is a another kind of moment where there's a lot of memory stuff going on yeah it's quite a lot it's kind of cool it's like an introduction to the season two like there was gonna be way more of this than there was before yeah i think it's important to bring up again the the point that jonas made at the end of last season because will is like i keep seeing um or maybe he said it in the christmas special i don't remember which thing uh where will is like i keep seeing angelica i'm having visions of her i think it was christmas Mm -hmm, special mm -hmm. where he's saying like uh, I, I, I'm seeing like a place in the woods like yeah. I'm seeing places that I've never been which doesn't make sense to me because all of these previous experiences that he's had as a sensei has either been like him as a kid or something connected within his cluster and this is clearly not something from his cluster and so Jonas does the explanation of um, you know there's a difference between like a genetic birth and a sensei birth genetics pass on genes sensei births pass along memories mm-hmm. um, so that's something that kind of definitely gets explored in this season and is I think really well handled and introduced when uh, Will kind of sends Nomi and Amanita to Sarah Patrell's house, and you kind of see a montage of like Will as a little kid driving by. Sarah Patrell herself. Sarah Patrell. You see Joey Pants. And you see. Got uh, very excited there. Jonas. You see Jonas. Um, you see another character yeah, that will his be name. introduced later. Yeah. That goes with Jonas, mm-hmm. and then like even Angelica goes there. Um, and so it's kind of like this weird little hub because Nomi has to like awkwardly knock on the door to Sarah Patrell's mom and be like, hey, this is going to be really weird. Um, I don't really know what to say to you. And this is going to seem really inappropriate. And before she can like get through her <laughs> spiel, Sarah Patrell's mom's just like, oh, you've seen my daughter. Uh, Come on this happened in. Before. This happens a lot. And um, so um, they they go and they meet with her and yeah. uh, she talks about you know how she met up with Will and he was the first visitor. Um, Get that nice flashback to I think what basically exactly what was already described. Yeah. In the season one finale that yeah. he's talking to them. But yeah. But then there's the nice new bit of information that he went back to see her again. Yeah, he would keep in touch. So um, it, it's kind of vital that you know he had a, this relationship with this family. And Sarah Patrell's dad was upset and angry, obviously, and didn't believe him. Mm. And then, you know, the mom was, she believed him, essentially. And then, uh, you know, he comes back and talks to her when he graduates from police academy. And he's explaining, you know, how he had kind of this weird out-of-body experience because he's like, oh, my God, I'm a cop. And I, I I never really wanted to be a cop. Like, why am I doing this? And then he crosses the stage to graduate, and he looks up, and he sees Sarah. And, and he's like, that's why I'm yeah. doing it. So um, she's, you know, talking to Nomi, and Nomi's like, <laughs> it's kind of doing, like, the psychic thing. Yeah. Where she's like, Will's with us now. <laughs> um, and well, so, it's funny because her mother has just been steeped in this stuff for so long. Yeah. And she, she just believes it 
yeah. without question, you know. And so, you know, she has a conversation with Will, essentially being like, I know you're never going to give up my, my daughter. I hope you're okay. I hope you're mm-hmm. somewhere where you're kind of, you know, at peace doing whatever it is you're doing. It's like, not really, but... Not really. You know, he's <laughs> on he's some, uh, some pretty hard drugs right now, actually. Mrs. Patrell, but, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to pull through. Um... <laughs> And then they ask about some of the other visitors, and she's like, I'd love to show you pictures. She's like the most chill lady for having this horrible experience happen to her family. But I just love the fact that there is, you know, someone out there who's like, uh, she essentially said, like, I knew my daughter wasn't coming back, Mm -hmm. but I just, I really was comforted by the idea that her memory, super important to all these people, her memory lived on in unexpected ways. And that's kind of like the whole thing is like, yeah, even when sensates die, there is still mm-hmm. a sense of memory and, and place and purpose. Yeah, it's um, pretty great when uh, they ask her about like, oh, Madison yeah. and she's in particular. like, oh, he's such a good man. She's like, you know him? It sounds like she's saying like, you must be so blessed to know him. Yeah. And you're immediately <laughs> turned off. You're like, oh my God. And Will says, uh, you know, he murdered your daughter. And, and then Nomi's like, not like, helping. I'm not going to translate that. Yeah, well. I'm not going to do that. Um, but uh, she reveals that Whispers was uh, Sarah Petrell's tutor. She was part of a gifted program. And Will's like, murder, straight up yeah. murder. I mean, that's pretty it's pretty awful. Yeah, like, pretty, pretty obvious. Um, and so Will does his Pokemon speech, as I like <laughs> to say, where he's like, I'm going to catch them all, Mrs. Petrell. I'm going <laughs> to bring them to justice. Um, so that's a really interesting scene because... You know, it picks up again the thread of Sarah Patrell. It kind of fleshes it out a little bit yeah. more in broad strokes, like you said. But it just, I think, reinvigorates Will, where he's like, "We're gonna do the thing." Yeah. This you is know? this is a reminder of why I do this. Yeah, know? and it's also just another great moment to be like, "Look how awful of a character Whispers is. Yeah. He's a horrible, horrible sensei." I like how when she says like he was such a kind, nice man, you get a little snippet. Of him coming in the house, and also a little bit of him like walking with Sarah, but yeah. especially when he comes in the house, uh, like the actor, uh, he just he does look like that, like you know, however he's playing this little scene, like yeah. he looks much friendlier, like he has removed the uh, the hate that normally fills his eyes, yes. you know, or something. He's a great actor. I love him um, because I hate Mister so <laughs> much. It's like so. all the all the all the characters that I really don't like. That I'm not supposed to like. I always am like, good job, actor. You've you've done your role right. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, Will is is pretty intertwined in there. Yeah. Uh, he and Riley, of course, still together. Basically, spend the rest of the episode in a very similar state as yes. the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. Will is getting little glimpses of yeah, whispers. It, it's uh, we should probably talk about how the episode actually opens. Yeah. Because it does open with Will. Um, as we talked about with the Christmas special, he has been kind of mining around and yeah. uh, whispers mind, trying to find any sort of detail to get a certain lock on him. Uh, and that is the plan that they had talked about previously mm-hmm. in the Christmas special, being like, this is uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try and hunt him down and find him. We're going to use Will as kind of like the conduit to look up these details. We kind of have a plan in action. We're just kind of, we need more details because essentially Nomi's like, I am super good at hacking. Bug is super good at hacking. And anytime we try and track down and find out who these people are and how they're getting funded, we get firewalled, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment where Bug just, like, <laughs> smashes beats the shit out of this computer. computer. And he's like, they're even paranoid than I am. It's impressive. Um, yeah. Well, it opens with, I think, the most incomprehensible 
flashbacky. Yeah. Like it takes the whole season, the special, like a little, even a little bit more gap filling ourselves. This is sort of what I was referring to, I guess, before this this scene that Will sees yeah. of the lab and them using, you know. Yeah, they make mention of the chairman, which is something that I didn't realize they did because it's something that is brought up in the series finale. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, these things were actually plotted out and they had to kind of scramble to tidy it together. But yeah, uh, they're like, we're so sorry that the chairman can't be here. He's over in Beijing, but we're going to go on with a demonstration anyway. There's like a group of guys in suits. They're in this like medical lab area where there's a bunch of comatose looking people. And um, Whispers has like this cerebral (laughs) Professor Xavier cap on his head and he's typing away. And essentially he like activates one of his lovely zombies. And he gets them to, in the most creepy looking shot ever, just mindlessly saw someone's throat for yeah. kicks and giggles. And one, there's one guy in the scene who's part of like the board members. We've of the seen suits, enough. <laughs> where he's like, we have seen enough. This is not okay. Um, and it freaks Will out. And he's having interactions with Angelica where she's like, it's my fault. Uh, it's completely my fault. I didn't know like what they were going to use it for. And then there's a moment where Will sees um, Angelica talking to Whispers about, like, oh, there's a neural graft, but what are we going to do with this technology? And Whispers is like, well, I think, you know, they fear us, so if we can show them, like, like the capabilities with this graft, like, maybe they'll be a- begin to understand us better. Mm-hmm. And then he kisses Angelica, and you're like, what is happening? Like, what devious, like, mad scientist plot was she embroiled in, and can yeah. you trust her in the way that you're not sure about Jonas? So it's a lot of weird shit going down that Will is tapping into at the beginning where he's just like, okay, there's some sort of, like, drone program going yeah. on. There's a chairman. Whispers is actively involved in this, like, neural graft that Angelica came up with, and he might have had a relationship with her. Like, this these are these like, are the mysteries we have to unfold yeah, this much, season. Yeah, much like season one. This is, like, your opening burst of like, it's imagery like that you won't like, understand until later. Yeah. Um, but I believe that after that, the next thing Will sees is that scene where he sees Whisper's wife. Yes, Will is is watching Polo. He's half in and out of it. He's saying like, "Oh, Neville's all grown up." And essentially, when he's kind of like in this weird drug-induced state, Riley is there to take notes for mm-hmm. any sort of kind of detail that she can get that might help them. Um, um, we don't really get a lot from We that don't get one. a lot. All we know is that, you know, Whispers and his wife have a thriving sex life, apparently. <laughs> and Whispers is about to go to Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually kind of freaky if you think about it, because, like, that's where Nomi yeah, and Amanita are going. going to talk to the professor, who might still be in cahoots with Whispers. But anyway. Uh, um, yeah, then there's a, a scene where. After Will, um, he taps in, he kind of passes out because um, Whispers takes his blocker. And so the connection has been dissolved. And then Riley tries to get him to eat. He's not eating. She has to call and call for help. And Kala and everybody kind of have like a group moment where they're yeah. like, we don't know how much longer he can do this, but we, we still need more information about Whispers and BPO before we can make a move. Like we, we don't have it yet. Sensate family meeting. Sensate family meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, nice to see these, these moments uh, with all of them that yes. crop up more and more because yeah. even if someone isn't doing a lot in their own story, it makes they're it still feel there. like, yeah, they're involved. And they're still active. Um, so Riley feeds Will eventually, later on down the line, some tasty-looking stuff from Iceland. 
Um, and she's trying to tell him, like, oh, yeah, my dad, you know, he always got me this. And Will's like, details are dangerous, Riley. You can't tell me these things. And then Whispers pops up. And then him and Will have, like, a, a little pissing contest of Sherlock and, <laughs> you know, Moriarty details yeah. of observation. It's like, I'm going to guess where you are right now. And so Will is back into that interrogation room yeah. with Whispers. Which from. they're going to spend a lot of time in. They are. Yeah. It's kind of like Whispers HQ. And, and Will pretty much jumps to the conclusion he's like you're in london based off this this and this especially the power outlets power and outlet. whispers is like it's not even a real power <laughs> <outlet>. bitch <laughs> <laughs> and then whispers is like my turn. Yeah, my turn and he's like oh you have all these uh medication labels that are in icelandic you're eating this icelandic food. The, seagull the seagulls are basically speaking icelandic and he's like you're in iceland and we know you didn't leave the island and you're like boom this will is gives horrible. a great performance yeah where he's like no no oh, no, no. Riley, you gotta drug me. So she drugs him. She scrambles downstairs. She turns off the hidden the music. Seagull the music. seagull music. Yes. Um, Walks outside into Amsterdam. Yeah. This is this is my favorite scene. Yeah. This is great. Because her her daddy's there. Especially because they don't. Um, I'm starting to call him Papa O'Reilly. <laughs> by the way. Yes. You're. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. They, um, I know you're impressed with that. <laughs> well, I like that they, in this scene. Um, they could explain exactly what they were doing in the dialogue, yeah. but they found a clever way. They didn't even need to, you know. She just he talks about the the birds and the uh, I think it's called skur, the yeah. Icelandic thing, mm-hmm, that she's and the well. um, the labels. Yes. But the only thing they actually show you is Riley um, going and turning off the seagulls, and like the instant she does that, you understand that. Uh, all the rest of it must be fake too. Yeah. You know, then when she talks to her dad outside, um, he's like, "Hey, I brought you the the stuff from Iceland that isn't exported. Yeah. So like, if you he's have become it, become her supplier. Yeah, they're gonna think you're in Iceland because you would have to be there to get it. Yeah. And so they explain it a little more, but it's like you already get it, which is clever. Yeah. It's a really satisfying moment yeah. to be like, Whispers always seems to have the upper hand, and at the end of his scene with Will, you're like, shit. He knows where they are, and it's nice to be like for the first time they're one step ahead of him and mm-hmm. he doesn't know it like they're not that stupid yeah um, which makes sense because they spend the whole special sort of not being one step ahead you know it ends with him taunting will yeah being like after this many months you know you haven't accomplished anything come on yeah and so this is a this is a nice this is a very premiere feeling thing yes. you know this is like oh it's a like win oh you thought the, we're going this way yeah. but we're actually well ahead. You want to start with some sign of progress. Yes, exactly. Which basically leads to their last scene in the, the final scene. Oh, I love it. Oh. Um, yeah, so uh, it kind of starts with Wolfgang in the zoo talking to Sun, mm-hmm. and then Will pops up, and he's kind of in a state, and they're just like, oh, like shit, I found an opening. <laughs> yeah, and Will's essentially found an opening, so he's like kind of tapping Riley. He's not, he's still drugged up. And then Riley's like, oh my god, this is yeah. it. So she like, well, sensate family meeting, guys, this is it. I assume it's sort of like he's constantly doing the drugs, so Whispers can't see him either, but yeah. like, because they're not proper blockers, you know, that's why he can get these vague thing is a whisper sometimes whenever his blockers aren't running yes and it's like the reason it works is because he gets a sense suddenly you know this is something that will be good for us to look into yeah but whispers still can't see him yeah. and then you know they they inject him with something else to like wake him up yeah 
So and that's when he's like, I'm active yeah, now. Suddenly, like without Whisper being able to know it's coming. Yeah. Oh, he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, we get a call to action with Kala helping Nomi wake him up. Um, Kala helping Riley to wake him up. Yes. And then uh, Nomi gets called in. Sun gets called in. Wolf they all. Gets, they all. Show I up. mean, almost all of them except yeah. for like Coffeeus and Leto show up, and um, he has essentially stumbled upon. Um, whispers having a meeting with some guy mm-hmm. in a big office building. With and a very clear, obvious window. Yes. To London. And he was, and it's another satisfying moment. That there's like two satisfying moments when it comes to like tricking whispers. There's yeah. one where it's like, oh no, we're you know pulling the wool over your eyes. Yeah. We're not in Iceland. We're in Amsterdam. And then the other satisfying moment is, oh, we were right. You are in London. Yeah, they tried to double bluff us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he has this beautiful moment where he's like, don't mind me, Milton. And like whisper starts freaking out to this guy who's pretty much reaming him being like, you've already cost us millions for your little mess up in Iceland. And like, you know, you can't keep doing this. Uh, You're kind of on thin ice right now. Whispers is like too bad because I'm going to do it right now. Oh shit. Oh shit. I've been compromised. And so while he's panicking and trying to take his blockers, you know, the, the crew is there. And so Nomi is doing her hacking skills. They're picking up details from Mm -hmm. the guy that he's talking to and they find out who he is. And his name is Richard Wilson Chrome. Yeah. So they're trying to find other people in BPO so they can get more information. Um, and so they find this guy's name and then, you know, Will does the beautiful delivery of like, you think you're hunting us, we're coming for you. And it's so satisfying because yeah. it is the first time you have ever seen Whispers look scared. And I it's great. Maybe one of very few, although there are a lot more in season two, mm. cliffhangers that are built around basically something awesome happening yes. instead of like something really bad yeah. Uh, the, one of the only other ones I can think of before is, is Sun, you know, saying, I take my fist and I... Punch it. I, I, yeah, fight, I, for I fight for I, it, you know, she yeah. says. Um, and so this is a great way to launch the season because it feels different than season one. Oh, it, yeah. It feels so... Um, there's so much agency in our sensates. Suddenly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much their storyline. Yeah. There's an interesting thing I want to know in that scene because mm-hmm. it relates to the Christmas special too and some other stuff that's going to happen. Yes. I'm realizing, discussing these moments, that it's hard to define exactly what's going on. Uh, referring to the part at the fight in the Christmas special. Yes. Where it looks like more than one of them is doing something at once. Yes. There's another thing people noticed in this one where uh, Will is noticing things like on the guy's desk and then one of the lines it's Nomi instead and she uh, names one of the things that she's looking she's at She's like in the he room. has kids. Yeah. And it's like well that's interesting because um, technically Nomi shouldn't be in the room because Nomi can't you know see what Will is seeing since Will isn't actually there. Will is just seeing through Whisper's eyes. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting. I don't have a solid thing for it, except that I, th- I think I mentioned just like with the fight in the Christmas special, um, Straczynski said that uh, this stuff was all on purpose. Yeah. And you feel like it must be. And there's another one. I forgot what it is, but I'll remember when we get to it in season two mm-hmm. that happens. Um, it was very meticulous in season one. Like they, Nothing like this ever happened as far as I can remember. Yeah, so it's pretty they, obvious they out. Yeah. that these moments are on purpose. And... I think if anything, it has to do with um, what you're talking about in general, the, like with the memories and mm-hmm. doing more with that. It it's like a visual uh, demonstration of 
the expansion of their connection as sensates and also other things they're learning about what it means to be a sensate. Mm -hmm. Like in this case, it could be interpreted as um, they're much more connected now. So like it is still Will that's seeing this thing, yeah. but like you see Nomi and it comes out of her voice because like that's how connected they are. Yeah. Or you could even say, I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be um, a thing that they can start to somehow make multiple connections like this and she is kind of able to somehow be involved too once he's there yeah which is possible i think because i remember what the other moment is it's at the very end of the season mm. it's a bit where um what's his name the guy from um jupiter ascending and speed racer in this show his name is uh sparky yeah yes when he is uh i think his name is like puck yes yeah. it is puck. hasn't been introduced yet he basically recognizes riley through Sun. Sun's face or eyes and it's like does he see Riley can he just tell Riley is in there because that's the thing you get good at as a sensei yeah I think that's similar to what this is it's like maybe when you're better at being a sensei you get better at uh being able to like understand knowledge and see and other sensates at the same time that you're seeing one of them basically yeah even if you haven't literally connected with them yourself yeah it's just these are threads that i don't think they really had time to dive into in the series finale and they're sort of left as hints at ways they were planning on expanding how it works basically yeah uh, but they're interesting to note yes. because they start to happen more that's true i don't think they just suddenly started making a bunch of production mistakes you know yeah no i think it's I mean, the production level for this is insane because, like, in season one, they went to X amount of cities, mm -hmm. and then in season two, it's, like, even more. And so they're, then uh, they edit as they go. Yeah, well, also, come to think of it, it's, it's essentially impossible to have that happen on accident. Yeah. Because you'd have to make the decision to bring uh, Nomi to that location. Yeah, and also, like, it's in the script. Yeah, why would you do that? Exactly. Like... So I, I know, like, the first time we watched it, I was, like, well, super pumped because I was like, yes, they finally have an edge. But I remember being like, wait, how does this logistically work with all of them in the room scouring yeah. around while, you know, Whispers is freaking out. And I think that's like the perfect well, explanation is I, like it's a visual shorthand to be yeah. like, this is how even more connected they are. And this is how they're essentially um, using that connection to their advantage. Because I'm sure I noticed one or two of these things, but I didn't notice all of them until they were pointed out to me. Yeah. I think that indicates it's working for most people, at least. Uh, mm -hmm. It works on the first watch mm -hmm. to convey this feeling. You just think, like like you said, they're connected, they understand each other, they know things each other know. Yeah. It doesn't really occur to you until you think about some of the logistics uh, yeah. to wonder about these things. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it yeah. for them. The other big, like, connective moment is obviously the Who Am I speech. Yeah. Um, which is great. I love it. Yeah. It's like another kind of like thesis statement from yeah. all of them to reintroduce you into season two. What we said when we were talking about the Christmas special, it's, yeah. it's similar in some ways to the scene where they're all dealing with the, the bad word on the wall. They yes. don't like, uh, except they've given a chance to respond to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's very satisfying because you have, um, you know, two very aggressive reporters, like we talked about, one obviously more so than the other with uh, Mariana, with Lido. And I, I don't, you know, want to extrapolate or anything, but it, I think it is kind of a, 
you could read into it as a commentary of like she says like well your fans deserve to know if you're lying to them yeah and i feel like that's a thing that uh when you have something kind of in the media and the public works uh you don't really owe anybody any explanation for how you live your life yeah. well it's definitely a commentary about privacy and yes absolutely public figures yeah and it's kind of one of those things where they they were you know Lido and, and Kafias which is a great moment together because I feel like they haven't had a lot of moments mm. together they're kind of at the core of the response obviously you get all of the sensates in there um, because they do a montage of like mm. who am I what are you talking about like where I'm from who I love like what I do what I've done like all this stuff and it's yeah. really well edited montage which like we were saying sort of functions as a a recap yeah um but it's kind of one of those things where you watch it and you're just like well this is a probably the best possible response you could get for something like this to be like i am just like you i'm no more no less because i'm me i'm like Uh individually myself and there's nothing else like me just like there's nothing else like you so it shouldn't matter and it's not that it's nobody's business it's just it literally should not matter so it's a it's a really nice moment and it's fun because it's like the editing is so precise it's really nice yeah. and then at the very end he gets to you know kind of have like a little high five bro hug with uh coffeeus and i was like oh these two have been paired you know together because mm-hmm. they are the ones answering the question but um everybody yes. gets a jump on it so that's fun. one of the, one of the few more noticeable changes i think between uh the coffeeuses mm. is that you can't really imagine original coffee is having this bro type relationship with Leto. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit more like his relationship with Wolfgang. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly what his relationship would have been like because as you say there hasn't really been a lot of Leto and Kavias. Yeah. But this does feel like something that feels a little tailored to uh, Toby our new actor. Yeah. Uh, it feels like they probably actually I think I remember to dive out of the uh, <laughs> world of the show mm. that uh, it looked like um they had become sort of good friends yeah. in the behind the scenes of yeah. Toby and uh, Miguel. Yeah. Uh, so that might play into it too. Mm-hmm. But um, they work really well together in this bit. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting because I didn't catch this the first time because like I said, it's a really well edited piece but it is pretty rapid fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going to attempt to tell you who shows up in what order because yeah. that's just ridiculous. But the one thing that I I did catch this time around that I'm not sure if I did the first time or if I did and I just forgot about it is um, Will shows up as like two versions of himself. So he shows up as as he currently is, poor little drugged up baby heroine Will with the beard and the cozy Icelandic sweater. And then he also shows up as cop version of Will. I didn't notice that. Yeah, when he answers. And so I think, like I said, it's a a nice reintroduction to all the characters. It's a good recap. It's a nice thesis statement to Mm -hmm. respond to, you know, kind of some of the things they've been going through and not had a chance to really respond publicly to, more or less, with the reporter scene. But it's also a really nice... um, I guess shorthand to be like, hey, this is a main conflict for Will this season, as he is having, aside from all of like the BPO conspiracy trauma stuff that's going on in his life, he has to deal with the fallout of, you know, he's a cop, like that mm-hmm. is his identity, and that's not what it is right now, so it's kind of like a balancing act for him, yeah. so it's nice to see him as those two versions during the montage. There's just a lot more of this blurring of the lines, yes. intentionally, between uh what's going on with the sensates but also like how they perceive themselves in each other Mm -hmm. i think another really nice moment is when you know will is kind of struggling 
and they all have like the the sensate family meeting where they're like we don't know how much longer we can do this like we Mm -hmm. need more details but like eh, at what cost like we can't keep this up and and wolfgang does the nice thing where he's like don't give up on him because he wouldn't give up on any of us and so it's kind of like they're more and more connected this season but they're kind of also fulfilling certain roles within the group so like riley's kind of the heart but will is like the anchor Mm -hmm. of like you know he's the the go-getter the one that's always going to have your back no matter what and he's always you know he's the cop yeah so he's the one that's going to investigate and he's a good cop so he's going to try and you know do the best he can to help and protect so yeah I think that's pretty much that is, it. That is basically all that happens. Yeah. So Who's you, your favorite? Uh, I really like Coffeeus in this one. I was thinking Coffeeus myself. I mean, yeah. Will's awesome too, but the, his storyline's so tied up with Riley that I don't. It's hard to pick between the two, and I think it will be for a while. There's a nice sense of getting to know Coffeeus better. Yeah. Than you even knew him before. Yeah, and I think it helps because they introduce a new character, so it's yeah. like she gets to meet him, so he gets to finally talk to someone that he's a hasn't grown up with isn't related to and didn't already know by reputation which is something you can apply obviously to like jella his mom and silas kabaka yeah so it's nice to kind of get a new perspective thrown in there because you get to see how he plays off of her um and their relationship is really cool too Mm -hmm. so i really like him i think he still has like a lot of that great optimistic um, idealistic energy, which is fun. Yeah. And my favorite sidekick is Jella in this one. Yeah. Because I just love it when he wants the interview to be about himself. Yeah, it's great. I love it also when he shoves people out of the way so you get <laughs> yeah. a good shot of the Van Damme bus. He understands the <laughs> he gets importance it. of marketing. That's right. Um, yeah, he would be my sidekick too. I'm a fan of that. We better come up with some different answers for the last I question. know, I know. Um, for the one-off, I would give it to Whisper's wife. Because it humanizes him, and it almost makes it worse. Creepy, yes. Yeah, because she's just like, I love you, and I clearly don't know your sensate, because I was talking about, like, what if they shared the same mind? And he's like, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah. And then she, like, insinuates, like, oh, yeah, we're going to have sex. And you're just like, oh. But, I mean, it's already made apparent, like, he's a family man. He has kids. Even Jonas has been, like, he likes to pretend to be mm. human. And it's like, that almost makes it worse, because it's like... He is able to lead the life that he leads, but he is a sensate, and it's like, hey, if you're a sensate and that was the option you wanted, you could clearly go ahead and do it with blockers. But the fact that he wants that and then also to take out everybody else is just like, dude, you're so messed up. (laughs) (laughs) There's something um, inherently evil about someone who seems quote-unquote normal. I I like um, Sarah Patrell's mom. Oh, she's a good one. Um, I I just think the actress is, is good. She has a very calming presence. As you say, she's like very relaxed for uh, someone who's had this tragedy. Yes. Um, and not to her discredit, I think it plays, it's supposed to play that way. Yeah, it, it gives you this, um, I don't know, this nice feeling that the sensates are going to interact with this person. And for once, someone's like, it's not like they've told her everything, but she's like, of course, like, I get crazy it. things exist. Yeah. And uh, it's just kind of fun for them to have a conversation with someone who buys into that kind of thing, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and yeah, that's a good scene. That's a good scene. My favorite scene, as I already said, it's I the think, end scene. no, is the scene where they trick whispers there, uh, because I just really like it when Riley goes and turns off the seagulls. Yeah, it's that's like, great. 
Well, you wouldn't have expected that. I certainly didn't. Yeah. I and mean, it just seems like he's gotten the better of them. Again, yeah. And as we've said, we're saying, um, this is a really conveys why season two feels a little different. It's, it's so like, wow, they're really taking action. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where season one is like they're exploring what it means to be sensate within their cluster. And then season two is like, well, what does that mean within like a term of like them as a species? Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like they're they're more comfortable with who they are as a cluster and how they interact with each other. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, how do we interact with other clusters and what more information can we gather about mm-hmm. this massive worldwide community? Well, this, this secret world. This action and this plot stuff is, is exciting, and it's why I think um, we were having a conversation on the podcast about season one and two. Mm. And uh, there are elements season one that by necessity can't be present in two. Yes. You might miss them just to do with um, getting to know the characters for the first time. Yeah. But uh, I think season two is, is a better show, like, scene to scene. And mm-hmm. part of it is because... Uh, there's so much momentum in the plot now. Yeah. But part of it is also because um, it almost feels like they more intentionally constructed it as episodes instead of the season one thing where um, it was more like three sets of four, you know? Yes. And I'll have to check rewatching them all here, but from my memory and starting with this one, it feels like they all have a very specific cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. That really makes you want to watch the next one. It's, yeah. it's just um, designed in a very clever way where the pace stays up the whole time. Yeah, agreed. That's yeah. good. Cool. What's Anything your favorite else? scene? Is it the end it's scene? It's the end yeah. scene. I think it's just like, it's kind of like how I feel when I see Riley pull the books back and you see like the the music playing with the seagulls. It's like that emotion times 10 because it's like, yeah, they finally, they finally got the upper hand and you didn't think they'd did mm-hmm. and you weren't and it's also because i really like whales <laughs> yeah i was really concerned i was like oh, i don't think you can do these drugs much longer guys <laughs> so it's a it's nice to be like hey they're more in control of the situation than you originally thought mm-hmm. and it's just like it's really well paced it's stressful but it's really satisfying to be like yes they finally got a win so yeah anything else no that's it all right we're moving forward Final season. All right. I guess we should sign off. This has been Vicky. This is Camden. And we'll be talking to you guys later. Bye. Bye. If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. <laughs> um, also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.